Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. I'm Brian Wise, editor of the magazine. And in this podcast, my special guest is Dom Walker, one of Australia's most revered, respected and successful songwriters. Don first established his reputation as the principal songwriter in Cold Chisel, the most played band on Australian radio, and his career has extended through solo albums under his own name, or Catfish, and albums with Tex Perkins and Charlie Owen in Tex, Don and Charlie. Many others have recorded Don's songs, and he is rightfully a member of the Australian Songwriting Hall of Fame, as well as a multiple ARIA and APRA award winner. Don's latest solo album, his first for 10 years, is titled Lightning in a Clear Blue Sky, and I caught up with him by Zoom to have an extensive chat about it just the other week. Don, how are you? Pretty good. Lightning in a Clear Blue Sky, it's a great title and I'll talk about that later, but first tell us about the recording, which was apparently done over just two days in Victoria last year? Yes, we went into, we, we were um, doing gigs in, at the time, at the end of January last year, and I always like to, if I'm going to go into the studio at all, which I hadn't done for a long time, wanted to do it, um, I always like to do it on the back of doing some shows because bands are a lot different uh, for a few shows. Than, than they are. Everybody's playing together. And and so I, on the back of some shows in in uh, Melbourne, uh, I booked uh, a studio and an engineer that I had never used before. And um, that's Head Gap Studios. And, uh, um, and we spent two days in there. So we laid it, we laid it, uh, you know, most of the album apart from, I think, two songs down there. And and who was the engineer and who, do you, I assume you produced it? Uh, Finn Keane is the engineer. And um, yes, I guess I, I produced it, but I leaned on Finn a lot for, you know, no, he did more than, um, uh, he did more than engineering. Um, not in a pushy way, but in, in a way that, um, you know, I, I I learned pretty quickly to value his opinion on things. You must have had all the songs fully developed before you went into the studio. Oh, yeah. Yes. Always do. So how long did it take you to write the songs? Because your last album wasn't that long ago. Uh, my last album was 10 years ago. Oh, your last solo album? Yes. Oh, you're talking about, yeah, in that 10 years, there's been three cultures albums and a text on a Charlie album. Yes. So the Don Walker songs, it hasn't taken you 10 years to write all these songs, has it? No, but but um, no, it's take, taken a few years. Some of them are, some of them are quite old and some of them have written and were written in the last few years. Um, there were a couple of them that were written in Singapore and a, and a couple of them were were songs that had been sitting there, not completely developed for a while. And I've got a lot of stuff like that. And you look around and think, well, this should really be done, finished off and done. But the long one, the the title song, yeah, the epic, um, the epic, that was largely written in Singapore on, you know, weeks that I was there with nothing to do uh, except eat good food 
go to good bars and and um, and uh, do a bit of writing in the afternoon. So, um, how does this a song for a Don Walker album have to differ from a song for a, say a Tex Don and Charlie album or even a Cold Chisel album? How do they, in your mind, how does it have to be different, or does it? It's probably there's probably a bigger gulf with Cold Chisel albums. The the short answer to your your question is that for my album, nobody else has to like it. Right. So it doesn't really have to mean anything to anyone other than yourself, I suppose. Yes. And uh, it, working with Tex and Charlie is is similar because they have they have uh, you know unorthodox. They don't just they they um, they like stuff that's a bit left of center, and they have in some ways a similar sense of humor so so tex and charlie tex will find himself drawn to um songs that are that would horrify people in other outfits i work in it's funny mentioning charlie i was up at mansfield in country victoria over the new year new year's eve and we were expecting a pretty quiet new year's eve and we walked past a pub there and we heard this covers band and uh, I said, "Boy, that is a that's a pretty good sounding cover band, I tell you that." And I really like their choice of songs. And we 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 walked in, and sure enough, Charlie Owen was playing guitar, and uh, he's an exceptional guitarist. Right. What sort of a what sort of a cover band? It was like a blues band. It's called I think the band's called Frozen Blues. Really? Yeah. Quite apart from all his acoustic skills and lap steel and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, he's he is extraordinary in his original his original setup, which is you know a telly and a Marshall playing high volume rock and roll music. sounds like a Norman Gunston question in, in a way. I always remember when he interviewed Paul McCartney, he said, what do you write first, the words or the lyrics? But in this case, I'm asking you, what, what do, you, do the lyrics come first and then do you, does the music come later or does it sort of vary? Um, both ways and, yes, it varies. And um, uh, sometimes, sometimes I'll have a title and... Um, I don't often write music from scratch, but usually while I'm working on lyrics, I've, I've got sort of um, uh, some kind of musical framework in my head. And and sort of, I mean, you you play that. Do you write them all on the piano? 
seen you do. No. Not? No, it's all, a lot of stuff just goes on in my head and, um, and then I'll, um, I'll be writing lyrics on scraps of paper and then editing them. It's all, it's pretty much, uh, the external manifestation of it is pen and paper. And then when it's all tight and the lyrics are right and all that, and then, then I'll go to the piano and and pick out what's been playing in my head all along anyway. You don't so I don't yeah. sorry. I don't go to the piano to actually write anything. Um, because I find if if you do that, your your writing will resemble the your playing cliches. And so I I avoided that from the beginning because my playing cliches, a set of playing cliches is pretty limited. Um, so it's quite it's quite often that I'm going to the piano with a completed song in my head trying to figure out what the hell I'm hearing. So you don't always carry a notebook with you, you just write, write the lyrics on scraps of paper? Yes, yeah. Or, um, I mean, it varies... If if I've got nothing else around and no pen, I'll um I'll I'll use the phone recorder, but don't do that often. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I had a dicto- carried a dictaphone around, but uh, haven't done that for a long, long time. And um, that facility is in the phone now, but I but I don't often use it at all. Scraps of paper. So. Where do the where do you get your ideas for your songs? I mean, they obviously don't all come from your own life experiences. Where do you where do these ideas come from? Do they just pop into your head? Do they? Um, Trent Dalton in his blurb for the album says observation must be part of it. So it seems like you spend you know close observation of what's going on around you and people. Well, a lot of them are life experiences. So um, some of the more science fiction stuff, clearly not. But uh, no, there was, there was a sort of a cliche I grew up, which was, I think, largely fed by, well, I won't go into who it was largely fed by, that, oh, well, you know, that, that, I, that I never do anything. I don't have a life. So, so all these lyrics, they must come from me observing people who do. And um, and that's that's not altogether true. Last time we spoke, you recommended uh, a writer, crime writer Dennis Johnson, the late Dennis Johnson. Now, so who have you been reading recently? Uh, oh, science fiction is never far behind. Mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, I've been uh, unpacking all my old books from a storage area and there's a lot of science fiction in there there's a now now i have to reach for names um there's a book that i'm that i'm uh, halfway through uh which is a pretty important book um uh, called the matter with things mm-hmm. and that's uh ian and Ian McGilchrist, mm-hmm. and he's a he's a polymath. He's a Cambridge polymath whose whose basic um, skills are in uh, neurology, but he's he also crosses over into a lot of other things. And that's that's a fascinating book. 
it's reading I'm reading the third the third book of the Hillary Mantel trilogy mm-hmm. uh, about um, Tudor England. That's great. Um, last year, Lucy and Freud's biography. That's not boring. <laughs> uh, there's, that's two volumes. I've only read the first volume of that. That's amazing. I mean, forget Keith Moon. They, these guys, they, they would kill Keith Moon or any other rock and roller in two days, <laughs> the way these guys live. Um, there's others. There's there's a book that I read that that feeds a lot into things like uh, Lightning in a Clear Blue Sky uh, that I finished maybe 18 months ago now uh, called the, the Nag Hammadi um, Scriptures, which were a set of Gnostic scriptures from the first to third century AD that were discovered in uh, earthenware jars in Egypt. And... And I'm I was always I'm always interested in that kind of thing because this is this is untouched writings that hasn't that hasn't had to evolve through human minds. It's it's kind of preserved there of what what certain bandwidth of people were thinking back then, how they saw things. And um and I suspect that some of that you're going to ask me later on what what is lighting in a clear blue sky is all about, and and I'm going to say, uh, you know, I don't know much more than you, but I think some of that book and those writings have fed into that. We've had a memoir, we've had a book of lyrics, and some stories associated with that. Is there another book on the way? I've been writing a fiction book for years, yeah. but. But the writing is, um, uh, I only get at it every few years. I was writing it in 2020 under COVID and I haven't got back to it since because I've been uh, been busy on other things. But that's definitely something that, that uh, I want to do and finish. I guess I'm about 40,000 words in that, into that. talk about some of the songs on the album i was reading some some interviews you you've done over the last few years and you said something in an interview a few years ago i think it was with the sydney morning herald you said which which really struck a chord with me i remember being happy no money nothing happening but nothing owed and uh i've been thinking about that sort of thing a lot recently but you really for some reason that just struck a chord with me you know that our lives become very complicated, don't they, over the years. I remember 
I remember I was living in London for a number of years and I I think I had about 12 albums and uh, I don't remember being unhappy at all uh, and I had a similar thing, you know, nothing almost and uh, it's inter- it was just an interesting observation. Yes, it's, um, it's a glorious time of life, isn't it? Only too brief that, you know, where... We- where you have unlimited time ahead and and you're physically invincible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I used to wake up in a hotel room without much idea of how I was going to afford the next hotel room, but uh, knowing it was a long way away and, and light a cigarette before I got out of bed. <laughs> and, and it was just... Oh, it doesn't last long enough. I don't mind the comforts either. <laughs> uh, you know, especially as you get older, you, the I don't have the stamina now to... There is a little bit of stress too in, in poverty <laughs> that, that I, don't, <laughs> I don't miss at all. Sundays, the whole world's got a song. There's nothing in this world could bring you down I've got that song, I've got the silver All my lonely days are over Cause tonight my sweet Malaver's back in town Dance Hall is the first song. In the first line of the the song, you sing, "I've got." Are you sing, "I've got the song we'll need to live," which kind of sets the tone. It sounds like a song from the forties or fifties, which Frank Sinatra could sing. Like, it, or you know, it could be a piano player in a lonely bar somewhere. Can you talk about that and the and the mood for that song? Well, Frank would sing it a lot better, and this is one where there's so this is a, this is a piece of music that um, uh, back when I had a I had a certain setup in Elizabeth Bay where I had a like a large basement room and my piano and a wide parquetry floor, and it sounded beautiful. And I used to just go down there and do a piece of music and record it on a dat. And this is one of those pieces of music. We just start playing and see where it went and and pick out something. And this piece of music I liked. And so then I deliberately wrote a piece of wrote a lyric to a pre pre-written melody, uh, which is very rare to me for me. And um uh especially it's like it's not it's not a standard straight ahead you know country or rock and roll melody 
It is. It's like a torch ballad melody. Mm. Um, I saw in an interview that this is how Barry Gibb write. Barry Gibb writes the the Bee Gees. Mm. They would write songs that without lyrics, not interested in lyrics, just getting the perfect melody and and get the song completely written musically. And then they would write lyrics, but their rule was that the lyrics were not allowed to change the music. Uh, they had to go into the straitjacket of the music. And this is one of those songs, except um, except the, the lyrics turned out to be, I think the lyrics are, you know, quite good. They're great. And, well, speaking of musical moods, um, is that the same for something like My Maliva, which is kind of swings a bit? There's a bit of a swing feel to that, isn't there? Yeah, I, I see that as, as like a Mediterranean or mm. or a South American thing. Uh, it's quite an old song. I, I tried to demo that um, for pitching to other people uh, more than 20 years ago. And, of course, nobody was interested um, uh, who's interested in doing, you know, a salsa song from a from a rock, an old rock and roll guy? Um, and uh, so I was sitting there, but I, I always thought I was really, really liked the song, and um, uh, and so I started to workshop it with uh, under COVID. I was swapping, I was doing demos on a piano and sending them to Michael Vidal. Uh, who's our bass player and Ham in down in the Mornington Peninsula, and Hamish Stewart up in Manly, and we were sending files round to each other, all quarterbacked by Michael, who's who's like has a studio engineer history, and trying to put them together. Uh, when you do that, when you do stuff like that, swapping files and pl- trying to play to each other on with each other online, the results are pretty clumsy. But um, but this is one we work, worked up in that in in that way. It was a huge relief to get into one room. I've got the song, baby. We'll need to live. I have this long, empty dance hall to give. I'll give you all the reckless love that you could ever need to make the dreams you carry whole again. Just step inside, never mind. Your dancing shoes are soaking It's just the cold and the rain water We'll need to draw Circles and secrets Do you have a lot of people asking you for songs? I mean, you've written... A few for people recently, I think, haven't you? Well, yes. Uh, I'm I'm scrambling to think. 
Um, the Barnstormers have just put out a song, which is uh, an old catfish song. And um, so, that yes, they, uh, Jim and um, Kevin Shirley asked me, do I have any rockabilly suggestions? Not necessarily something that I had written. So I gave them my uh, my rockabilly playlist, and they said, have you got any of yours? And so I, I gave them three songs, and Johnny's Gone was an afterthought. Um, I thought they're, they're never going to go for that, and I sent them the live version. And that's and so the Barnstormers version of that song is pretty close to the live version that I sent them. And then there's a song that Ian, there's a song that Ian's uh, recorded a beautiful version of, which will be coming. Ian Moss, that is, that will be coming out in June. That um, Vicar and Linda recorded and put out mm. a year or two ago. Um, the, what, what other ones would you be thinking? No, of? I was thinking of the Vicar and Linda one. Okay, yes, yes. Well, that's a that's a song I wrote ten years ago, sort of in in real time, in in the time it takes to listen to it. One of those um, beautiful things where a song just drops in your head, and it just lay unused for a long time. It's not the kind of thing that I could sing, really. Uh, and I, re we recorded it at, at one stage with Cold Chisel, and I, and I got um, with Jim singing, and then I got uh, Mahalia to put a vocal on it. So that was sitting to one side, and never made whatever project we were working on. But that was sitting to one side as a demo. And Vicar and Linda heard it. I think I no, I think I I said. They they asked for song suggestions and I sent that in. They liked it. Do you ever get asked to for your songs to be used in movies? I'm I'm still waiting for Harry was a bad bugger to pop up in a crime show somewhere. Well, you know there there are publishers involved with my songs and they get movie pub placements all the time, usually for popular songs. Uh, there is a, there is a big market now. Um, like when I put together this this album, uh, the first thing the people in um, Sony ATV asked me was, "Do you have instrumental versions of all these songs?" Because if with an instrumental version, they can immediately just they just feed it into the into algorithms that are out there that spit it into a movie. If it's the right kind of tempo, mood, I think there's uh, they have like AI things that judge all this now, and and pick the perfect piece of music, and um, but mostly they don't they don't want lyrics and vocals on it because that's distracting if you've got a scene. Precious voices through the window.
I will ask you about lightning in a clear blue sky, but I'm not going to ask you what it means now. Um, is it the longest song you've ever recorded? No, no. Um, we're doing, well, the longest song I've ever recorded would be Three Blackbirds, which which is the song about slave traders in Western Australia that finishes off We're All Gonna Die, that was back in the early 90s, put that out. That comes in, I think that's over 20 minutes. And um, and then I did a song, I was doing a song live, which we put out on a live album about five years ago called Darwin. That's 18 minutes. But I have done I have done a lot of songs that are under three minutes too. <laughs> there are some characters, I mentioned Harry was a bad, bad bugger. There are some characters in Lightning in a Clear Blue Sky that could fit into that song as well. That may may have even you know walked out of that song into this song. Yes, yeah, they do. They do wander more than they should. Those people, and of course, Carson. Carson's clearly been shot before the song begins. It, I'm I'm wondering about that that character of Carson. Um, yes, is, it's a fascinating character, and of course, Madeline as well. But tell us about Carson. Where did he? Where did he come from? What was he doing? Uh, this this song is automatic writing, so a lot of these lines just really flopped out and and followed the line before. And Carson is one of those. I mean, where where would a name like Carson come from? I don't know, but um, uh, just occurred to me now. It never occurred. What about Carson McCulloch? Maybe it comes from that. But then, gee, must be must be twenty five years since I read a book of his. Um, so Carson, um, Carson was Carson was a reptile tuned. I when I, when I was um, they they asked me to write a little bit of, a little blurb for each song. Mm. And so I was thinking about trying to think about these things for the first time, and it occurs to me that um, uh, Carson is Carson is ha- is hampered by as as are many people that you come across by his Im- inability to see beyond the material world and his refusal to acknowledge that the possibility of uh, any kind of transcendence. So he's just dealing in, he's not even dealing in Bitcoin, <laughs> you know. He's, he's, just, uh, he's just after what you get, what, what you can get. You know, the um, uh, gold, bums, um, and, uh, and, and uh, fast cars, I guess. He's he's a man, he's a man because he because he refuses any kind of um, transcendent world. There there is no necessity for morals. It's it's almost like a movie script when you read it. I can picture it. In, I'm I'm I'd be fascinated to see a video for for this song. What you would come up with if you were going to make a video for it, but. There probably won't be one, I would imagine. I tried all last year to get the 
there there are very good people in Australia who are doing animation, like on the world stage. Very good uh, animators, and I've tried to make contact with them, get them involved with this song. But these people, uh, the people that I was targeting, you know, they're doing they're doing animation for Netflix and and doing Nike ads and stuff like that, and and earning like two and a half million dollars each time. So it's hard for them to and and the and the work they do is like two million dollars for 18 seconds mm -hmm. so it's hard to get them interested in doing 11 minutes for nothing Sophie wasn't only bright Now that the decision's done Taking on a lonely ride Taking on a road that runs 700 miles between The desert and the high, high range Driven by a hand unseen Everything's about to change Everything's about to change No matter what you heard or why Everything's about to change Like lightning in a clear blue sky Lightning in a clear blue sky The evidence of Carson's rain Is scattered on the road behind Blown across the black soil plain Stretching to the borderline The carry-on that Carson used Is lying where we kicked it free Lying with the man accused Justice as it has to be Justice as You mentioned the real world of reality when I win the lottery uh, kind of reminds us of the current fixation on gambling. You know, when you watch sport, it's all about gambling, isn't it? It's kind of uh, people living live in hope that they'll take a ticket and their life is going to change. But for most people, for, well, for almost everybody, that never happens, does it? Yes, yes. But for most of us, that's, that's the only... That's the only door out, you know. That's the only possibility that anything could be radically better, is, you know, materially, is if I win the lottery. So, um, you know, I buy lottery tickets quite regularly. Do you? Uh, occasionally. I think I think that betting on horses, which I don't do because my father worked for a bookmaker, so I know all about that, is probably 
uh, 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 you've got a better chance of winning if you if you back horses, I would think, than t- than winning. Oh, much better. Yes, yeah, much better. Yeah, my my grandfather used to pencil for a bookie. Uh, but no, lot, lottery is uh, you got a much better chance going out to the trials than than buying a lottery ticket. Nevertheless, uh, as we speak tonight, uh, there's there's a thirty million dollar lottery here in Victoria, and I will be going to a news agent and getting a ticket. You know, I reckon you won the lottery with your life, Don, being in one of Australia's most successful ever bands, and also with your own career. I mean, that's like winning the lottery, isn't it? Uh, um, yes, look, um, unmitigated, yes, yes. Uh, I got, I definitely had uh, some, a couple, well, uh, uh, strings of lucky breaks. And I guess, uh, as you said, there's a, the same with you. Tell me, did Tommy Hanlon actually have a motorhome? And I'm wondering, there would be quite a few people left who would remember Tommy Hanlon. I certainly do. Uh, apparently, yes. Uh, this was this was my imagination of Tommy Hanlon. Maybe we should explain who Tommy, Tommy Hanlon was for those who are under seventy. Well, well, um, well-known game <laughs> show host. Well, he was no, the, he was the big. Yeah, from, from, he was the king of Australian television mm. uh, in the mid '60s. When uh, you know, uh, I, I I was uh, watching television at that time, and uh, yeah, he was the absolute king. He was an American, so he had an extra, especially for Australian television in the '60s. He had an extra patina of professionalism and polish that wasn't to be found by the among the locals, and. Um, and at a certain point, at the height of his fame, he bought a circus and disappeared. Well, that's how it looked to me, yeah. as a uh, us out here in the public land. And I guess, um, for overwhelmingly, most people they wouldn't have, no, they would have just gone on to the next guy. But I, I always thought that was a fascinating thing to have done. I mean, this guy was the absolute king of the new medium. And uh, and a, a massive star in Australia, and then just I'm off. He's a circus ringmaster out playing, setting up circus tents out there in Galaganbarn. Uh, so I imagined him as being straight away for me. He, he wasn't interesting to me while he was the king of television, but as soon as he did that, I thought this this is this guy's really interesting, and um, and I always imagined him out there. 
you know, of course, he, he had plenty of money, so how does he travel? He has like a motorhome that's it would be the would be the finest American motorhome of the era. And um so that was my imagination. But I've since found out, since that song has been heard, um the 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 lady who has brought us together for this interview, Rena, she uh she and her uh, and her partner do a lot of uh, traveling and camping and stuff like that. So they're in that motorhome world, and she's researched it. And in fact, he had one of those uh, silver aluminium bullet-like motorhomes, probably the first one around in this country. A streamliner Stream or something line. like that. the streamline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you say he's wandering forever, like the Marie Celeste, as if he's still out there somewhere, like. In a ghost-like presence. Well, I was I was carrying it on into the science fiction. It's and the other thing about the song is is that he goes faster and faster and faster, and then he's in his motorhome. He's off, you know, in intergalactic space. It's a it's a great song, and uh, I think you introduce a lot of people to Tommy Hanlon. You get to be you probably when you do some gigs, you, that that'll be a good story. You'll be able to tell. I'm thinking if I do some when I do some gigs, his grandchildren are going to turn up and say, "What, the, what are you talking about?" Tommy Hanlon used to be a favourite of our mums, didn't he? He was. A, I remember my mum was a used to watch Tommy Hanlon. Of course, yeah. Well, to be to be the king of television, yeah. mums, the mums pretty important. You've got to move. The opening riff sounds like it's something out of a Credence Clearwater revival song. It does to me too. I I hope it's not actually is is it? It's not. It's not actually something out of a Credence. No, Credence no, no. It sounds like. It? Sorry, it sounds like it could have been out of a Credence song, yes. but it's, it's not a no. Yeah, uh, bang no, on. That. Yeah. Absolutely, yes, it does. Is that what inspired it? The song? No, no, that that came from just uh, driving and and uh, and that um, you know I think driving along and thinking up the uh, the the chorus hook. You know, you've got to move, got to move. And I thought, well, that's uh, I think that's uh, pretty attractive. That's a bit of a bit of a hook. And can we write a song about that? It sounds like you wrote it while you were driving somewhere in the country. Yeah, uh, yeah, driving Pacific Highway north of Sydney, but then writing the verses, 
It had to have particular kind of, well, first it had to be a one chord song. It's got to be like that. I asked myself, uh, as I often do, uh, what would George Young do with this? Yeah. And uh, what would Harry and George do? And trying to write George, George Young lyrics, as I often do. the album with damaged people which starts with the line my god there's some damaged people around uh not the most optimistic ending of an album i, I would think but can you talk about that this is an old song and an old recording that i did to myself uh back when i had that um room i was talking about before and um uh, I can't, I, I I can't say much intelligible about the writing. Uh, it seemed like seemed like a good song beginning to me, and like following it. Where does this go? And it turned out to be, uh, I guess, it's a prayer. And uh, I think there's a little musical hook in it with the chords. It sounds sounds a little bit hymn like in the chords. Uh, some years ago, quite a few years ago now, our friend Jeff Lang was looking for songs and he did a version of this, which is beautiful. Well, great to see you and great to talk to you and thanks for spending so much time with me and uh, all the best and congratulations on a terrific album. Thank you, Brian, and, and thank you for... Um, Thank you for listening to it and, and the time, and, and uh, it's, it's great to talk again, great. as it always is. My God, there's some damaged people around. There's some damaged people around. And there's only you They can tell it to My God There's some damaged people around I hope you're listening I hope you realize 
people here get so torn by lies They think anything true must come from Don Walker from his latest album Lightning in a Clear Blue Sky and Damaged People and Don Walker was our special guest in this Rhythms podcast the other songs you heard and we got to hear a little bit of each song on the album You've Got to Move Tommy Hanlon's Motorhome When I Win the Lottery Lightning in a Clear Blue Sky the title track I Miss You in the Night the Don Walker song recorded by Vicar and Linda on their latest album The Wait Empty Dance Hall My Maliva Jungle Pam, and we also heard a little bit of Miss CC from Charlie Owen, who Don has worked with extensively. Well, as I said, I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Don Walker. I'll be back soon with another Rhythms podcast. If you want to find out anything about the magazine, subscribe to it, or just check out the website. Go to rhythms.com.au.